This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Mind Love, episode 269. Today's episode is all about rejecting the lie that you aren't good enough by killing comparison. Some of us have had all types of negative words spoken over us that have made us see ourselves as fractured and as broken. And so other people, they may speak words over us that are negative and we internalize those things, not realizing that they're speaking out of their deficiency, not yours. They're speaking out of their deficiency because again, people do what they do. They say what they do because of them, not because of you, but we internalize it. And next thing you know, we see ourselves as less than because a person used the hand of their tongue to make us believe that we're not worthy. Turn up your frequency with Mind Love. Bite-sized brain hacks for seekers, dreamers, and doers. It's time to give your mind a little love with your host, Melissa Monti. If this is your first time giving your mind a little love, don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Mind love is a habit, and the more you give your mind that love and intention, the better you'll feel about yourself and your life. Plus, it's really a win-win because more subscribers means Mind Love attracts even more amazing guests to bring you their wisdom. So don't forget to subscribe. Today, I want to share a short and sweet review from Carla, who says, Thank you, Melissa, for this podcast. I love the insight, tips, and mind love you share with all of us. Well, thank you, Carla, for taking the time. You know how much it means to me, and today you are my favorite person. Do you struggle with comparison? I think we all do, or at least most of us do. It's kind of hard to avoid these days with the social media environment that we live in. We're constantly streaming everyone else's highlight reels from their homes to their clothes and their kids' clothes and the endless products that influencers are pushing and that damn Instagram ad algorithm. They know exactly what I want. Ah. <laughs> uh. We see what everyone else has and we think we need it. And I have a good example. I have the Snoo bassinet on my baby registry right now. Even though I already have a bassinet that worked just fine with my first baby. But everyone says how good it is and anything for a few extra hours of sleep during that crazy newborn stage. So I clearly need it, right? Which by the way, if any of this is ringing true, do not miss my next episode with Tracy McCubbin all about how to stop attracting clutter because she has a lot to say about our use of the word need and becoming more mindful in that area has already helped my spending. Well, the problem with comparison is that it creates a sense of lack. You see what everyone else has and you think, I don't have that, which creates feelings of inadequacy, jealousy, resentment. It sets our focus on what we don't have and why we don't have it. You see someone else's success and think, well, I'm not doing that well. You see someone else's happy relationship and think, well, I'm not in a happy relationship. You see someone else's healthy body and you think, I don't like my body right now. Or you see someone else's life and you think, I'm not living that way. And so the problem with focusing on what we don't have is that we can't see what we do have. We can't see our own successes. We can't see our own happy relationships. We can't see our own healthy, beautiful bodies. We can't see our own lives. And all of this means that we miss out on the good that is right in front of us. The other problem with comparison is that it leads to unrealistic expectations. Usually, we're comparing our behind the scenes to other people's highlight reels. We're not seeing the whole picture, so we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. So what do we do about it? How do we train our minds to stay out of the comparison spiral so that we can see our lives and ourselves for what they really are? Well, that's what we're talking about today. 
Our guest is Nona Jones. She's an international speaker, preacher, author, and the head of global faith-based partnerships at Facebook. She's also the author of Killing Comparison. So three key things we will learn are all about the two types of comparison, inspiration and expiration, the five most common insecure foundations, and how to find a more secure foundation to build our worth upon, and three steps to detox comparison for good. If there's one topic that keeps coming up in my women's circles, it's our hormones. Frankly, I think that between years of birth control or beauty products that mess with endocrine function, a lot of us are just out of whack. Estro Control is a formula developed by Happy Mammoth, a supplement company dedicated to making women's lives easier. It has science-backed herbal extracts that help support hormonal health, especially in women who suffer from PMS. The way Estro Control eases PMS is pretty interesting. The ingredients support the liver, and that's where our hormones get processed, especially estrogen. So when the estrogen isn't processed well in the liver, women may start having PMS, spots on the skin, they get cravings, they feel low all of a sudden. Estro Control was created to help women feel like themselves all throughout the month because PMS can basically rob us of a week of our lives every month. Totally not fair. Estro Control is made specifically for women who are premenopausal, so it's perfect for women that haven't entered menopause yet. And in fact, it's amazing for perimenopause when hormones start to fluctuate and PMS can turn into a beast. I have been relearning myself postpartum. I just started my period again when my baby was 10 months and I forgot how wild these hormone changes can be. I wanted something to just maintain optimal hormone levels and help with mild mood swings, and Estro Control is perfect for this. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com with promo code MINDLOVE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use promo code MINDLOVE for 15% off your first order. And now let's welcome Nona Jones to the show. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So what inspired your recent focus on comparison? (laughs) You know, um, I've been really, really fortunate. I've been blessed in my life to have a great career. And, uh, you know, I also am a speaker, so I get to travel around the world and I've written some books. And I think a lot of times we, we look at people who are successful and we assume, man, they must have it all together. Like they must... They must be the most secure people on earth. And back in 2020, I had a situation happened where I realized I was not as secure as I thought I was. I was about to log on to a video conference for work one morning, and I went on to Instagram just to quickly check my comments really quick. And uh, I saw a post from a friend of mine who was announcing that she was so excited because she had been invited to speak at this huge virtual women's conference. And, you know, with the pandemic having spun up, a lot of the speaking engagements that I had got postponed or canceled because of um, the pandemic. Well, I saw her post and I was just like, oh, now that's really cool. Well, I scrolled down uh, a little bit further and I saw another friend who made a post about being so excited to be speaking at this huge virtual women's conference. I was like, huh, that's interesting. And I scrolled down and I saw another friend and I scrolled down again and there was another friend and then another friend and then another friend. And it ended up where I knew all of the speakers and I knew the host and a question began to percolate in my mind, which was like, huh, why wasn't I invited to speak? You know, why Why was I considered not to be good enough? Why did I not measure up? And I clicked on people's profiles to figure out, you know, how many followers they had in comparison to me. I was trying to figure out what other events they were speaking at in comparison to me. And while I was doing all of that comparison calculus, I was like, why her, not me? Why am I not good enough? Another question kind of entered into my mind, which was, why does this matter? You know, like, why does this matter? Why, why is this bothering me? And it was that question that kind of placed me on the path to really try to figure out what is it that's creating insecurity in my life such that I could have all that I've ever wanted and yet I can see somebody else's success as my failure. And I think many of us find ourselves in that situation. And so that's, that's what got me on the path uh, to writing this book. I relate so much from all of the levels of this comparison trap. I was reading your book and even 
that one moment of like the first time that somebody somebody's words penetrated you about your body. I can remember exactly where I was, like near which lockers in middle school when somebody first negatively commented on my body. And I think I still hold on to that. It's something I've worked through mm. a lot. But now it's just, I always say that new levels bring new monsters. And it's so, so it true. might just be the same idea, but in a different costume type thing where it's yeah. like, I'm still comparing, I'm still not feeling good enough. I'm still whatever. And, and I used to think that I would get to this point of just not feeling that at all. And now for me, I believe that now I just have more tools to deal with it. I know how mm. to talk myself down. I know how to work through it to find the deeper meaning under the insecurity. And so I'm curious though, you said that at the core of our insecurities is really this need to be worthy. Can you go deeper on that? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, look, social media is constantly blamed for causing insecurity. And while I do agree that social media exposes our insecurity, I don't believe it's the source of our insecurity because in reality, if you think about it, um, we felt like we didn't measure up before Facebook, before Instagram. Maybe there was someone in our class that we felt like was more beautiful, more popular than we were. Um, maybe there was a coworker or a colleague uh, who always seemed like they were getting promoted, always seemed like they were the ones that were winning um, whatever the competition was. And so we start to feel less than, we start to feel like uh, we don't measure up because we see these other people and it seems like they're thriving and their thriving makes us question our worthiness. Um, what ultimately happens is we begin to use them as the measuring stick for our worthiness. We see ourselves as only as valuable to the degree that we either are at their level or surpass their level. And so I do think that at the, the root of this problem is a question of worthiness. And some people say that insecurity is a derivative of low self-esteem, but I would agree with that because you know, you can memorize, you know, I, my husband and I pastor a church. So, you know, you can memorize scriptures about how you're fearfully and wonderfully made. And, you know, you can memorize scriptures about how deeply loved you are by God. Or, you know, if you're not into church, maybe you're into affirmations. You could say, you know, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. People like me, you know, I'm beautiful. I'm successful. You can memorize all those affirmations and still experience insecurity because insecurity is not a function of self-esteem. It's a function of what your identity is secured to. And if your identity is secured to something that's insecure, something that's subject to the approval of people, you're going to feel insecure. Why? Because people's opinions change. You know, one day you're the best thing since sliced bread. The next day, people aren't even returning your call. And so um, you can end up on this slippery slope of worthiness um, when you place your identity in the hands of other people's assessment. Ooh, identity. That is so powerful because if your identity is secured to something that's not secure, I've never really thought about it that way, but it's so true mm. because I am always kind of reflecting on my past. And I was just saying on a podcast interview I was on about how for years, probably until I was about 25, I didn't even see that most of my self-worth came from the outside in and not the inside out. And so a huge part of my self-development journey when I started to actually heal my life instead of just continuing the downward spiral was when I started to get in touch with myself and know what I stood for. And that knowing what I stood for included actually getting to know myself, which I hadn't done. I like to give the the comparison of like if you go on a date with somebody new and you just go hang out at the movies for 30 dates. Yeah. You've spent like 90 hours with this guy, but <laughs> right. you've never talked. You have no idea who he is. You don't, you've never mm -hmm. witnessed his patterns, you know, maybe how loud he chews popcorn, but that's about it. And so the same thing I think we do with ourselves where we think that because we spend so much time with ourselves that we 
know ourselves the best, but are we really aware of ourselves or are we just on autopilot kind of moving through, kind of seeing what's cool that's around us, seeing what's considered beautiful, seeing what's considered successful and not really digging in and asking, well, what is my definition of beauty? What is my Mm -hmm. definition of success? And can I build my life around that? And when I started to do that, that's when I started to feel confident in who I was because I wasn't building myself for everyone else. I was building mm. myself for what was true to me. That's so, so good. And I think that's one of the hardest things for people to do because look, we have eyes, right? So we can see when other people are maybe getting more shine or more approval. And so I think the human tendency, the natural tendency is for us to gravitate toward the applause, toward what we see other people applauding. But to your point, I think when we learn how to anchor our identity to our unique purpose without respect to whether or not people approve of us, whether people applaud us, when we learn to do that, we will reclaim a level of power that so many people don't have. I believe that the richest place on earth is actually the cemetery because so many people died with unrealized potential on the inside of them because people either said, oh, you know, you shouldn't do that, you know, or you're not qualified for that, or, you know, why would you think that you could do that thing? And they listen to them. Sometimes we are the only ones who believe in us. And I think being a secure person means that we learn to yield to our own voice (laughs) as opposed to the voices that are diminishing us. Yeah, I love that. And it's so difficult. We have all of these tools that seem like they're helpful, that seem like they connect us. But really, if we are honest with ourselves, I don't know. I felt more disconnected since I've been on Instagram than I felt connected, honestly. And and you, it's that illusion of sort of connection and that illusion of friendship when really we're all just scrolling and comparing ourselves to each other. <laughs> and That's like, right. I, I post my highlight reel. I try to post the bad stuff too, but man, if I take a good picture, <laughs> it's going up, you know, it's, That's right. it's rare. I even have makeup <laughs> on, but you talk about two different types of comparison, inspiration and expiration. What's mm. the difference? I have always been someone who's prioritized wellness. Well, at least what I understood about it at the time, which has definitely evolved. But now I live in a town where some of my conveniences just aren't as accessible as when I lived in LA. Then I found Aloe Moves and my whole experience changed. I've been an avid yogi for 16 years, but frankly, I am just underwhelmed by most online yoga. Their flows are either too easy or not varied enough. Well, Allo Moves has everything. Of course, they have an endless selection of beginner content, since that is the category most people fall into, but they even have advanced and yoga teacher-focused content. They are the only online platform that I can find that I can narrow down the time that I'm looking for precisely. Like, I have 38 minutes today. What you got? (laughs) They have something for every mood. Trying to get a good sweat? Try their award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts with or without weights. Or find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and even journaling for those quiet moments. And when it comes to sleep, it's just as important as fitness and nutrition. Ever since I watched The Art of Sleep on Allo Moves, I've been falling asleep faster and staying asleep longer. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Allo Moves. Go to allomoves.com now and use code MINDLOVE for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. Allomoves.com code MINDLOVE. And now for another episode of Lies We've Been Told About Our Health. We've all heard we need eight glasses of water a day, right? Well, hydration isn't actually about water intake. It's about the balance of water and electrolytes so that our bodies are actually absorbing the water instead of just passing it through. A lot of people go for those sugary sports drinks, but let's be real, those do more harm than good. I've found a better solution. Element. It's a zero-sugar electrolyte drink that's all about effective hydration. Each pack gives you essential electrolytes like sodium and potassium without the unnecessary additives found in other drinks. The team behind Element includes experts in biochemistry and nutrition, so they really know what they're doing. And it's not just for everyday use either. Elite athletes and teams... 
Olympic weightlifters, CrossFit champions, Navy SEALs all rely on it too, which to me says a lot about its effectiveness. Here's what makes them really unique. They recently launched a hot chocolate line with flavors like chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. Ever since I went alcohol-free, I've been really intentional about luxurious, health-focused drinks so I can sit back and unwind while actually doing good for my body. And the Element Chocolate Chai is great for relaxing in the evening or warming up after winter sports. And you can try Element totally risk-free. If you don't like it, you'll get your money back, no questions asked. Receive a free Element sample pack with any order when you purchase through drinkelement.com slash mindlove. That's drinklmnt.com slash mindlove to get a free starter pack with any order. You talk about two different types of comparison, inspiration and expiration. What's the difference? So this was actually a really important insight that I had when I started to do my work to get free from insecurity. And I was a microbiology and cell science major in college. And physiologically, when we inhale air into our lungs, that's actually a process known as inspiration. So you inspire air, it breathes life into your body, you feel invigorated, you feel empowered. And healthy comparison inspires you. So when you look at somebody and uh, maybe they have achieved something that you want to achieve and you're inspired by them, they activate your potential. That's healthy comparison. Um, For myself, you know, people, they may look at me today and not believe it, but 10 years ago, I was more than a hundred pounds heavier than I am today. I had struggled with my weight my entire life. I had done fad diets and all those things and nothing worked. And then one day I was scrolling through YouTube and I came across a video of a woman who at the time uh, she had been about my, my weight and she was sharing her weight loss journey, how she had lost a hundred pounds. And looking at her journey, like I saw myself, I was like, if she can do it, man, maybe I can do it. So I started to watch all of her videos. I learned her different plans and I was like, let me try it. And sure enough, like I ended up losing weight because that healthy comparison activated my potential. Now, the flip side of that is uh, the physiological process when we exhale air out of our lungs, that's known as expiration. So when we breathe air out, we feel tired, we feel exhausted, we feel fatigued. Um, And this is why when a person takes their last breath, it's called their expiration date. Toxic comparison, uh, it kills our identity. It kills our sense of worth. It actually uh, kills our potential. And this is why we have to be really careful to guard against toxic comparison. So when we see somebody else win, we don't feel like we somehow lost just because they won. That's what toxic comparison does, is it makes you feel like, wow, their win is somehow my loss. So those are the differences between uh, healthy comparison and toxic comparison. I have noticed that the more I really work on myself, it's kind of like when you have a project, (laughs) I'm kind of knee deep in, in diving into a project I hadn't touched in a while and I've been putting it off forever and I just didn't feel good about it. And now that I'm back in the weeds and I see all the moving parts, I'm like, oh yeah, I can do this. Like I know what's in here. It doesn't feel so scary anymore. And the same thing happened when I started to work on myself because there are all these things that, you know, I thought I wasn't good enough around mm-hmm. and uh, didn't really know where to start, like had a lot of bad habits I needed to make changes to. And so then every time one of those popped up, I just felt worse about myself. And then I started to work on one at a time. And at first, <laughs> right right getting into it, I was it was very difficult not to focus on the gap of where I was and where I wanted to be. Yeah. But I did feel inspired. And the more that I made little progresses and actually Mm -hmm. brought awareness to them, which I think that is the biggest part of it because I've also worked on myself, not brought awareness, and all I can see is that gap. But instead, Mm -hmm. like, whatever it takes for you, like tracking your wins, writing down gratitude at the end of the day, whatever it is to really Mm -hmm. bring an intentional focus on it then it wasn't about the gap anymore because that's not what I was counting. I was counting these little tiny wins. And so 
small little things all of a sudden made me feel like I can do all of it because I'm doing some of it. And so Mm -hmm. in doing that, I automatically compared a little bit less because now I wasn't just somebody that was left behind from all these people. I was somebody that was on the journey with them, even if I was Mm. a little bit further back from where where they might be at that point. And so we're both making progress. And so it was easy to be inspired. But what surprised me was that the longer I was on the journey, there's certain points of it that maybe took longer, that I didn't check off as fast. Some of those same sources of inspiration started to become sources of expiration because <laughs> I'm like, wait, yeah. they did this in two years. I've been at this for five. Like, how, why is this not working for me? Like it's working for them or I gave up or I couldn't do this or, or whatever it is. How do you check in with yourself to make sure that a source that you chose or something around, along those lines is still actually aiding in your progress or in, and doesn't even necessarily need to be progress for change, but just not adding to your insecurity, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I think it's so important to be self-aware. Um, and I love how you articulated just the different methods that you can use. Number one, to be self-aware, but also to keep yourself encouraged. I think, uh, and I talk about this extensively in the book, One of the keys to getting free from insecurity requires recognizing when you're feeling triggered. And some of those things can happen because our emotions tell us when there are things happening inside of us that we may not even want to acknowledge. So for example, uh, let's say a friend of yours, you know, happens to get married and, you know, maybe you've been single and you thought that you'd be the first to get married. Well, uh, that person gets married. And so you start to feel sadness. You may try to, you know, deny it. You may try to say, oh, I'm actually happy for her. But that feeling of sadness lets you know that there's something happening inside of you. And I think you have to be willing to lean into that and explore that because usually when we feel that way, there's a lie at the base of that uh, situation that's making us believe we're not worthy. So for example, you may be feeling sad because there's a lie that has made you think, oh, well, she's getting married. So that means that nobody wants me. And so I think checking in with yourself and just being honest with yourself about how you feel really matters. And then um, I think it's also important to your point to recognize, you know, if certain things just aren't helping you or they're not healthy for you, you need to step away and back away. I talk a lot in the book about how social media, it can be such a great tool to keep us connected with our friends and our family. And it can also, unfortunately, be one of the biggest triggers for toxic comparison because we're seeing everyone's highlight reels, like you said earlier. And so I recommend strongly that we, I call it weed our feed. You know, if there are people in your, you know, feed who are constantly flaunting their success or maybe they're sharing things that just make you feel like you're not quite good enough, you know, mute them. You may even unfollow them and that's okay. Do what you have to do to guard your heart. Do what you have to do to protect your well-being because ultimately that's what you're responsible for. Like you're not responsible for making everybody happy. You're responsible for being healthy. And sometimes that means you have to disconnect from people. But again, it starts by just recognizing what you're feeling, recognizing what you're thinking. When those thoughts come across your mind, like, you know, why her, not me? Uh, why was I overlooked again? I'm never good enough. No one ever wants me. Those thoughts matter because what that means is, again, there's a lie at the base of them that you need to excavate. And it gets back to the question that I, I stated at the very beginning, which is why does it matter? Like, why does it matter? And how does it mattering shape the way that you see yourself? So those are just a few thoughts I would offer. Yeah, that's so helpful. I have the belief that nothing is ever about other people. It's always about me. I'm just projecting things. (laughs) And so I used to think, well, okay, this is triggering me. It's about Mm -hmm. me. What can I work on? And I still do think that. But what I did differently than I do now is that I would almost like force myself or succumb to the torture of like being triggered over and over again, not realizing that it was stopping me from being able to move forward. Now, yeah, if something keeps triggering me, 
I know it's about me. It's not about them. Mm-hmm. Like maybe their life is is exactly as this is or, you know, maybe they're sharing what they want to share just like I share what I want to share and they have the right to do that, obviously. But if I'm working through something, it's kind of like running on a broken leg. You don't keep mm-hmm. training. You take yeah. a step back, you heal yourself, you work on yourself the way you need to, and then you can go back out there and run. And then you can refollow your wealthy hot bestie. You know, <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. But not right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right and now. you have a quote that just reminds me of that, that says that, you know, people don't see you as they are, or people don't see you as you are, mm-hmm. but they see you as they are. And it's just Correct. so true because yeah, we're, we are just always projecting our realities onto other people, making assumptions, mm-hmm making uh, judgments mm-hmm. and we're, we separate ourselves. And I think that's what really takes us away from the oneness that we are here to experience. hundred percent. Yeah. And I, I think that's one of the hardest realizations I had is that just because someone, and I talk in the book about this idea that, you know, words matter, um, the words that people speak over us, they have power. So um, in the book of Proverbs, I believe it's chapter 18, verse 31, um, it says life and death are in the power of the tongue. And that word power, the word translated power there is actually the Hebrew word, which means, which is yod and it means hand. And so putting that together, life and death are in the hand of the tongue. So when people speak words, they're not just speaking, you know, arbitrary words. No, they're actually shaping They're actually molding and they can actually shape life or they can shape death. It's just like if you think about a gun, right? So a gun, many people will say, oh my gosh, it's a deadly weapon. That is true. It can be a deadly weapon in a hand. And that same hand can also use that gun to protect a family, right? And so uh, really and truly the hand is neutral. The question is how it's used. And so some of us have had all types of negative words spoken over us that have made us see ourselves as fractured and as broken. And so other people, they may speak words over us that are negative and we internalize those things, not realizing that they're speaking out of their deficiency, not yours. They're speaking out of their deficiency because again, people do what they do. They say what they do because of them, not because of you, but we internalize it. And next thing you know, we see ourselves as less than because a person used the hand of their tongue to make us believe that we're not worthy. My child toddler has these books. They're the bucket filler books. (laughs) One of my aunts Mm -hmm. is a is an author for one of them. I guess there's a lot of authors, but it's just funny because we read every night this idea of bucket filling and and everyone carries around an invisible bucket. And when you yeah. hear good words and compliments and are helpful, that's when your bucket gets filled and we are constantly filling each other's buckets. But <laughs> bucket dippers think that if they dip from someone's bucket, they can use it to fill their own, but they never do that. <laughs> Got all these children's mm-hmm. little parables in my head, but it's funny how sometimes the really simple kind of cartoony ways to visualize something, it's so true. It's like when I when people feel low, they tend to want to bring other people down with them, but then you're both just stewing in your That's misery. Right. And That's so right. It's something my husband and I are really aware of. Like when I'm having a bad day or something like that, I'm just like, I just need time. Like I need some self-care, whatever it is. And I know like he's the one that's going to help bring me up. And so that awareness that we've been able to cultivate in our relationship where I'm like, there's absolutely no way I want to bring him down. Then we're both down. Mm -hmm. How long is it going to take to bring ourselves up at this point? (laughs) And so I'm like, when I'm down, all of a sudden my job is to like protect his joy. And then in doing that, I realize I kind of move through it even faster. But one of the things that you talk about is we talked about how, you know, when we really base our self-worth or our security on the wrong things, that's when it's an insecure foundation. And you talk about five of those insecure foundations. What comes Mm -hmm. up for us the most?
Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors and take about 20,000 breaths a day. And get this, the indoor air that we breathe is two to five times more polluted than outdoor air, and in some cases up to 100 times more polluted, according to the EPA. And did you know that air pollution is responsible for nearly 7 million premature deaths globally? So what's the solution? Two words, living intentionally. We have to take full responsibility for every area of our lives, including our health, which also includes our air. And that's why I love my air doctor. As a reminder, when you support my sponsors, you also support the show. Air Doctor filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants, so your lungs don't have to. This includes pollutants like allergens, pollen, pet dander, dust mite, spores, and even bacteria and viruses. I live in the mountains, and our air is pretty great. When I drive home, I can witness myself rising above the cloud of pollution that covers the rest of Southern California. But I know that even in the mountains, my home traps in the contaminants that my family brings inside. Plus, just sleeping one night with my air doctor, I could actually feel the difference. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day breathe-easy money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund, minus shipping. So head to Air Doctor Pro and use promo code MIND, and depending on the model, you'll get up to $300 off. You're saving up to $300. Lock this special offer by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O.com and use promo code MIND. That's promo code M-I-N-D. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9. With available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute. And available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. And you talk yes. about five of those insecure foundations. What comes up for us the most? Oh, man. Well, so I, I think there are obviously several, but I think there's two of them that I'll focus on. Uh, one is marital status. So whether a person, I think, is married or single, many times, um, especially if they're single, and I think it's because in society, there tends to be so much weight placed on, you know, are you, are you married as if like being married is somehow the pinnacle of desirability. And so what happens is I know several women who are in relationships with guys who frankly don't deserve them at all, um, because they just want to be able to say I'm in a relationship. So yeah, I think marital status is, is one of those insecure foundations to the point where sometimes uh, our identity can get so wrapped around the marriage that should, you know, in the unfortunate event, a divorce occurs, people feel completely lost because all they ever had in their mind was an identity that was tied to their marriage. So I think marital status is an insecure foundation that if we're not careful, we will derive our sense of worthiness from being married. The second one, and I think this is for men and women, is physical appearance. You know, we end up, and I I share a few stories in the book about my own struggles with, you know, body dysmorphia and eating disorders and even surgical procedures because I was trying to pursue the ideal of beauty in such a way that I would try to, you know, alter myself. And I think many people are doing that. They're on, they're on diets. They're spending thousands of dollars, you know, getting all types of surgeries because they're trying to measure up. But one of the points I make in the book is that uh, it's a slippery slope because, you know, we tend to think that beauty is in the eye of the beholder, but it's so subjective. Like there are some people who think, you know, full lips are beautiful. So they go and they get, you know, lip injections. But then there's other people who think full lips are not. And so they see the full lips and they're just like, what's wrong with your lips? <laughs> and so you end up on this hamster wheel where nothing's ever good enough. And so that's really what the whole concept of an insecure foundation is, is that it's subjective. You know, financial status, that's subjective too. I mean, look, I don't care how much money you have. There's probably somebody who has more money. <laughs> so yeah, those are, those are just important things for us to understand, which is what's supposed to help us anchor our identity is a secure foundation. So it's not something that's subject to people's approval or opinions. 
I went down the same route. I was building myself up based on what I thought I was supposed to be. I got a boob job at one point. One of my only regrets, only because I want them out so bad. (laughs) They just don't feel like in in alignment. I mean, they look great, but they do not feel in alignment with who I am. I honestly felt better when I had small boobs. Like, I don't know, the cute little outfits I could wear without feeling like I was flaunting, which I didn't expect to feel. I don't know. But it's funny because you talk about how it's subjective and I can see the subjectiveness even within my own self. And Mm -hmm. I remember experiencing something when I was kind of just moving through the, you know, I had, I did all the things I lived in LA. I was getting fake eyelashes. My hair was dyed. (laughs) I still dye my hair. It's still fun, but um, like boob jobs, eyelash extensions, getting my eyebrows microbladed and dyed. Like I got permanent makeup on my lips at one point, which is way more temporary than they say it is. Thank God though. Thank God. Temporary, temporary permanent makeup. Yeah. I know. I was, I was actually really upset at first and now I'm like, thank God that didn't work as well as they said it was going to. And so And so I was moving into this place of like really appreciating natural beauty. And I remember I was looking through Instagram and I had this one friend who I'd always just thought was the most beautiful. And she moved to a town like Vegas and she, all of a sudden you could see how it was like trickling in the bigger boob job, the Mm. lip injections, whatever. And I was just like, why did you do that to yourself? And then I, I had to stop myself and think, this is about me also. You know, like if this makes somebody else feel beautiful, like what is my judgment doing? I'm the only one that's holding Mm -hmm. on to it. And so, and it was a reflection on how I was judging myself for the things that I could not yet change, like getting my breasts removed or whatever it is. And, and so even though I kind of felt like, you know, I was going the right way this time, I was appreciating the natural beauty. I still had the same amount of judgment. (laughs) And and then it just showed me the next thing I needed to work on. And, and, (laughs) and when, but then it was a huge reflection for me that I'm like, I'm still looking at life through the outside in. I'm still looking at what other people are doing and somehow it's affecting me even if I am not saying that it is, it is. And so Mm -hmm. I went back to the foundations of just like, okay, well, what lights me up? What makes me happy? And the more that I do that, the more, the less focused I am on anybody else. You know, I'm building my life. I have nothing to say about theirs other than, you know, do you need somebody to cheer you on? Do you need someone to tell you you look beautiful regardless of if you have Mm. big lips or not? You know, like I will be your hype woman. And so I'm curious for you, how do you, choose a secure foundation? What are the things that you focus on in order to make sure that you're building up from the right place so that, you know, that does spread to other people so that we're not just sitting here judging ourselves and everyone else, regardless of what decisions we're making? You know, I think we have to get to a place and and you said it at the very beginning, we have to get to a place where we know who we are. (laughs) And that's so hard because we live in a society that is like, it's like it's intent on shaping us into what it thinks we should be, which is actually a really interesting point, because if you think about it, society is a composite of human beings. It's not like it's this like it's just this like uh, amorphous, you know, non-human thing. No, it's it's composed of human beings. And so I think we have to get to the place that we really know who we are. We know what we like, what we don't like. I think similar similar to you, I have, you know, being in, in a speaker, being someone who is in the public eye, I have felt oftentimes this pressure to conform. And yet that's not what brought me joy. And so I think at some point we have to be willing to say, you know what? this isn't bringing me joy. I would much rather have joy and not fit in than fit in and be miserable. And there are a lot of people who are fitting in, but they are not happy at all. And so I think one of the keys also to reclaiming your joy is to learn to see other people's success as an opportunity to celebrate them 
not as a compulsion to become like them. That's that's hard, but it's an important line, which is I can see you being successful. I can see other people celebrating your beauty, but I don't necessarily think I have to go under the knife in order to be like you. I can simply celebrate you. And like, I'm so glad that you're happy, assuming you are. But that comes with being the type of person that no longer sees another person as a threat, no longer sees another person as competition. I had a situation with um, someone who is a friend uh, who released a book around the same time that I did. And I was seeing all of the success that was happening for her project. And, you know, she was getting a lot of media. And I was like, man, this is going really well. Well, I started to feel like, wow. Maybe she's going to have more success than I will. You know, clearly she's having more uh, media than I am. So she's going to be more successful. Well, instead of allowing myself to kind of descend into those thoughts, I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to support her. So I went to Amazon. I bought her book. I even went and I prayed for her. I was like, Lord, I want you to bless her, enlarge her territory, exceed her own expectations, like blow her mind. And then I texted her and I was like, I want you to know that I prayed for you and I bought your book and I want you to be successful. And I pray that this is a wild success. And after I did that, it's like I felt this weight lift from my heart because I was no longer allowing toxic comparison to have residence in my heart. It was like, no, she's not my competition. She is simply someone who is operating in the lane of life that God has placed her in. And so I do think that's critical to anchoring our identity is learning to celebrate other people's success instead of feeling threatened by it. That has so much wisdom in it because I have this practice or a mindset shift that I like to use that gets me out of comparison. And one of the things that I use is just thinking that, you know, say I see all this success around me because I was living in LA for a long time and I did have a a really big circle of very successful people, like levels of wealth that I hope to hit oh, one day. Yeah. But, you know, like, I don't know, yeah. I'm not sure I'll have that $18 million house. I don't know. <laughs> and so um, I began to walk myself through it because uh, after a while, it's almost hard to look like be at the event at that house and then mm -hmm. at the time come back to my studio apartment you know or whatever it is <laughs> and so i started to realize that there's a reason that i am seeing this like what if i'm what if this is around mm -hmm. me to show me what's possible and what place would i rather be in be in a spot where i'm not forced to compare or not in a position mm. to compare at all because I never see it. And so the idea of even thinking that rising that high is possible or impossible because you've never even seen, witnessed it being done in your lifetime, or would I rather see it with people that I know are deserving, with people that there's a reason that I'm friends with them? Yeah. And then know that that is an option in this world, whether or not that I get there. And so that's really helpful. But what I love that you added to it, because, you know, it can be hard to kind of walk that line because it's a practice mm -hmm. that I have to do. But then it's just like, yeah, but I'm still in this studio apartment yeah. or I'm still in this place or whatever it is. And and so adding to the celebration of it without feeling like, I need to walk those steps because that's what I think I was inadvertently doing. Oh, there's a reason that I'm seeing this is possible. This is supposed to be meant for me. And so then when three more years <laughs> happens and I'm like, okay, still can't afford that $19 million house or whatever. <laughs> it's like, it, it was just kind of teetering, you know, it worked most of the time, but not all the time. So I love that just being able to celebrate because that even moves us beyond judgment, you know, like, Absolutely. you know, I'm glad that you got the plastic surgery. I would never get if that's what makes right. you happy. That's what makes you happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like, thank God. Like, well, I don't know what that person was dealing with the year before. How much were they beating themselves up? Was this helpful for them? Will they change their mind later? That's not for me. You know, that's the next step in their journey. That that's their walk with life that has nothing to do with me. And all I'm here for is figuring out how to cultivate an energy that makes me feel good and trusting that when I am in that energy, when I'm in that place, that that's what's going to spread. That's what's going to make the difference. And not just in my life, in the lives that mm. I come in contact with. That's so, so good. Yeah. And I think 
this year's so funny. I'm thinking about this $18 million house, like, <laughs> uh, probably my house, but at least I can visit. Yeah. I think that one of the most important steps we can take in getting free from insecurity, getting free from toxic comparison, again, is just realizing that we all have the capacity, even if we don't have millions of dollars, even if we're not the most beautiful, even if we're not, you know, in the best marriage on earth, if we don't have all the academic credentials, if we don't have all that, we can still be a source of light and hope and encouragement in other people's lives. That simply takes a decision. It doesn't take money. It doesn't take a certain weight. It doesn't take, you know, living in a certain neighborhood. We can still be a source of hope and light for other people. And frankly, I think that's how we actually build a legacy. And one of the points that I was trying to get across in Killing Comparison is that if you want to, it's actually the last chapter I talk about um, how to just live uh, an encouraged and inspired life. If you want to really live an encouraged and inspired life, be the type of person that is for others what you wish others were for you. You know, if you wish that other people would encourage you, be an encourager. If you wish that other people would support you, be a supporter. Like, I think those are the ways that we kill comparison. And those are the ways that we actually experience blessings and joy and freedom in our life. So that's that's really what I'm hoping people walk away from this book with is just, you know, you have the power to actually live um, and encourage an inspired life. Uh, and you don't have to succumb to what it seems like everybody else's success is. You can live the type of life where you have joy no matter what your circumstances are. I so agree. And I love leaving listeners with something to focus on for the week. And I feel like your three-step detox plan is the perfect actionable focus. Can you go into detail about what that looks like? Yes. Um, so to detox, the first step, I kind of mentioned it earlier, is you have to recognize what you're feeling, you know, recognize what you're feeling, recognize what you're thinking. I think we spend so much time denying insecurity when in fact, we need to invest that energy and that time into defeating it. And you can't defeat what you don't acknowledge. And so I think first being willing to admit, you know what, seeing that other person thriving, that really is causing a challenge for me and how I see myself. And then again, why does it matter? So why why do I think that their success is my failure? Like tracing that all the way back to the words that have been spoken over you throughout your life. And where, where was it that you started to believe some lies as truth? So starting there is important, recognize it. And then the second step, equally important is you have to begin to reframe what you see. And, uh, and and reframing is all about changing your vantage point. It's about changing the way that you see something. And so uh, to give a concrete example, you know, let's say that your sibling is super successful, you know, and maybe you've had a lot of challenges in life and it just seems like everybody is always talking about how amazing your sibling is. And they're always like, when are you going to get it together? And that can be a source of animosity. That can be a source uh, of jealousy. That's just human. I think the way to reframe that is instead of seeing that sibling as someone who's doing better, it's like, man, you know, how can I celebrate what they've done? Like, how can I be a cheerleader? How can I be an encourager for them? Putting yourself in a position to support them and to celebrate them because then, yeah, when other people are celebrating them, it's no longer a threat. Now it's really more so an affirmation of what you believe as well. And so just not allowing people to pit you against anyone because you're not in competition with anyone. So I think uh, you have to reframe what may seem like somebody else's success that would normally trigger insecurity. Think about it as an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to grow. And then the third piece I call it the the release. It's recognizing when insecurity may be triggered, reframing it as an opportunity to celebrate somebody or learn from them, and then releasing that trigger and saying, you know what, I acknowledge that that triggered me and I am not willing to allow that trigger to change how I see myself because I know who I am and my identity is anchored. I think those are three steps that if we take those repeatedly, day in and day out, we will experience freedom. And I will say this, it's not a one and done thing. I think sometimes we're like, 
Show me the blueprint so I can just get over this and move on. But I do believe that part of our human condition is that we see other people. You know, we see them and we see what they're doing. And so those triggers will happen. I have them every day. I have things trying to trigger me every single day. But because I have kind of put this detox process into place in such a regular way, a routine in my life, I'm able to experience freedom in spite of uh, in spite of the triggers. And it sounds like it could be work, but all it really is is developing self-awareness because when you have the 100%. self-awareness, then you're like, mm-hmm. oh wait, I don't feel so good. What is that? What's that coming from? And then it, you just yes. are down this thought rabbit hole of of self-realization and you're, you mm-hmm. end up growing almost automatically because the awareness is what leads to the better that you know yourself which is part of that awareness, then you start to know how to treat your own wounds. And I think yes. that's the important part because I remember in the beginning of my journey, it just all felt like so much work. I didn't know how to treat my wounds. I didn't know how to see my triggers. I'm just like, ah, I feel mm. like I'm spiraling and there's so much work to do. But yeah. really, if you just take the pressure off and you're like, all right, just start to notice when I don't feel good. And instead of continuing to act in that energy and bringing people down around you, snapping at people at Starbucks, whatever you tend to do, mm-hmm. and just, you know, take a few deep breaths. Then it becomes fun. You're like, well, what makes me feel better? How much alone time do I tend to need after something like yeah. this? What questions can I ask myself so that I can learn in this moment rather than just acting? And so these are the things that lead to self-awareness. And before you know it, you end up kind of being your own inner guide with the help of whatever power that you use. And so thank you so much for bringing this wisdom to the podcast today. And for listeners that are interested in learning more about you and your book, where's the best place for them to connect? So uh, you can head to killingcomparison.com and uh, you can choose any of the book retailers that you want to uh, there that are linked there. But yeah, killingcomparison.com. And then of course you can connect with me on my socials. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. And my handle is the same across all of those spaces. It's just Nona, not Nora. All the links for this episode will be at mindlove.com slash 269. Your challenge for this week, we just went over. She gave you a three-step detox plan, but I know how things work. If you're overloaded with three whole steps, maybe you won't do anything. So I'm going to give you one step. I believe the most helpful thing that you can do this week is detox your social media feed. You know who those people are that trigger you. And if you're anything like me, you think that they are your favorite people to follow. They might even be the accounts that you look at the most. So it's going to be kind of a hard loss. At least that's how it was for me. There was one person that has this lifestyle that I wish I had, but just cannot attain. (laughs) Mostly because I don't have the space and the storage and the farm. There's also the ones that have the luxury that I'm just not at that level yet. And I like peeking into that life. It's probably the only reason anyone watches the Kardashians, which I do not, but no judgment because I'm still watching The Bachelor for some reason. Anyways, not the point. You know who these people are, the ones who get you to buy, the ones that you might accidentally be confusing with inspiring you because suddenly you feel inspired to go get this thing that you don't have or spend money or sit in your room and think about how terrible your life is. (laughs) It sounds sad when I say it out loud because it is, but it's not far-fetched. It's what a lot of us are doing. We are looking at each other and thinking about what we are missing based on that rather than how great we have it. And so declutter your social media feed. We're going to be talking about decluttering in the next episode, so get excited for that. But first, start with your social media feed. Have it be people that you actually want to connect with, people that make you feel whole already. And if that's not possible for you, maybe take a break from social media. And then focus on what you do have. Every time you find yourself thinking, ah, my house isn't good enough, or my wardrobe isn't good enough, or I am not good enough. Stop yourself and focus on abundance. See if you can reframe that to what you do have, the things about you that are amazing, the things about your home that you love, the things about 
your sense of style that you love, even if it's just that it's perfectly fitting to you and it's comfortable. And then see how you feel. It's when we actually take note on the changes in how we feel, the rewards of our new habits, that's when it starts to stick. So let me know how it goes. Reach out to me on Instagram at mindlovemelissa. And you know, if you need some inspiration, scope out my Instagram stories and see how not perfect my home is. You can support Mind Love by joining Mind Love Premium at mindlove.com premium. You get a whole lot of extra episodes, over 50, soon to be 100 that are only for premium members. Some of them are the best that have ever been on the show. That's at mindlove.com premium. You also get ad-free listening experience, early release episodes, and bonus meditations. You can also support my sponsors at mindlove.com sponsors, or you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And that's all for today. So thanks for giving your mind a little love today, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning into your higher frequency with Mind Love. Head to mindlove.com for a free gift to keep your vibes up until next week. 